Ephesians 2, 11 through 22. If you would, please follow in the reading of the Word of God. Verse 11, chapter 2. Therefore, remember that formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands, remember that you were at that time separate from Christ, excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now... In Christ Jesus, you, who formerly were far off, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, which is the law of the commandments, contained in the ordinances, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross by it having put to death the enmity. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together, is growing into the holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. Father, we come before you, the author and the finisher. Father, as I read through this text over and over and over again, I am running out of adjectives. I stand in amazement at what you have done. And Father, as I have read this letter, I understand that what you have done, you planned in eternity past. And if we who are here this day rejoice and reap in this amazing thing that you have bestowed upon us. Father, overwhelm us with your presence. Overwhelm us with the privilege of being in Christ. Now, Father, may it be the passion of our souls as we walk forward in this troubled land. We love you, Father. We thank you, Father. And we praise you, Father. In Christ's name, amen. As I have been reading through this over and over and over, I'm just a slow learner. But as I read this, I stand in amazement at understanding. You guys know that I, I love history. And one, you can't really get into history. I remember when I was in Israel in 04, the guy I was with uh, was Bedouin. And we were standing outside of this wall, uh, like a castle-looking wall. I mean, that's the only way I can describe it. But it had these holes in it. 
And I said, well, what the heck is that? And he says, that was from the 67 war when the Jews took back Jerusalem. And it, they had an artillery battle, and this, of course, this structure was in the way. But it's still intact. And he says, well, you understand. He says, that's the new wall of Jerusalem. I said, really? I said, no. how old is it? He says, 400 years. And that's the new one? My country ain't that old. All right? So if you like history, it's a little tough not to incorporate something with Israel. Okay? And I have watched, I listen a lot. One of my favorite eras and times was the Civil War. And, you know, I hear all of the, I'm not sure I can use that term, about it. Everybody seems to be an expert on it when actually it doesn't seem like anybody is. Or have you not read, is part of my problem, and how persecuted. And I thought, you know what? You have never read the writings of Robert E. Lee. You have never read the writings of Jackson, nor the president of the South. You know what their biggest concern was? They didn't want to free the slaves uneducated. If they can't read, what will they do? Now, you never hear about that, do you? Nah. Guess what we have today? An awful lot of uneducated people who are trying to act even more uneducated. I'm not talking about black people. I'm talking about the people who claim that they are persecuted. There has never been a race of humanity more persecuted than the Jews. Ever. They were considered a race of slaves by the Gentiles. That's what they were for. Slaves. Okay? The Apostle Paul uses that grouping the Jews and the Gentiles, to show you the greatest miracle that has ever been performed in creation. Unity. You know, when I started into this letter, I thought, man, this is an awesome letter. I just kept reading it over and over. And as I was moving out of other texts that I was teaching, and I kept thinking, oh, I've got to go do Ephesians. Ephesians is awesome, man. I mean, that's this thing here, it's just, whoa, it'll rattle your cage day in and day out. One of the things I've learned as a pastor, uh, June will be 20, 24 years. When I move into certain, no, when I move into any given text, we get tested. Okay, so I've been praying over about the last month. How are you? How are we going to handle unity? Okay, now we can smile and say, it'd be great. You might want to listen to this message today before you step into that. Okay, just a warning. Listen. Everywhere you and I look right now, and I don't care if it's within our family, I don't care whether it's in our work, I don't care if it's in the express line at Safeway, 
Everywhere you look, there are barriers. Okay? I looked at this a few weeks ago, the alienation apart from Christ in verses 11 and 12. Separated from Christ, you are separated socially and you are separated spiritually. So if you're separated socially and you're separated spiritually, it's a little difficult to be unified about anything. But now, in verses 13 through 18, we are united with Christ. We are in Christ. A miracle. Verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who formerly were far off have been brought near. I've shared with you that. The near was the nation of Israel, the Jews. The far off were those who had no idea that there even existed a thing called the Bible. Have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Huh. The blood of Christ. I've, heard, I've watched people do some theological yoga on that. All it is referenced to is his death. Life is in the blood. So you were brought near by his blood, meaning his death. His death made us near. See, that's the, the apostle's point. But there is one thing that invades this. You know what it is? Your sin, my sin. In Christ, now I want you to hear this. In Christ is the perfection of relationships with everyone. In Christ. Okay? In the body of Christ, the church, the relationships look like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and never any breakdown because there is no sin. When there is a breakdown, then all you have to do is say, where's the sin? Now, normally what we like to do is blame someone else's sin. But the truth of the matter is, if there's a breakdown in that relationship, it's your sin. I was sharing this morning in Sunday school. I have no ability to teach anybody. I have no ability to change anybody. You know what's really cool about that? I was never told to. <laughs> I like that. I mean, a lot of people think, well, that's what the pastor does. No, nah, nah, you don't want the pastor doing that. Trust me. Pastors are not qualified for such a task. Holy Spirit does it. What I have learned is, is that there are times when people have disunified with me and I knew emphatically that they were wrong. But what I've learned is I can't break them of that. I can't bring them out of that. Got to bring them out of that. When I was young in the faith, I felt that I needed to put you in a headlock and get you to see the light. As I have grown in my walk with the king, 
when a person disagrees with me, I usually will say, well, let us reason together from the scriptures. And at that point, in some cases, well, in most cases, yeah, the fur flies. And I realize that, you know what? I'm not going to get them out of that. It's like people, if a person tells me they got a purple elephant sitting in their living room, uh, I'm not going to talk them out of it. All right. <laughs> What's its name? <laughs> Do you have a name? Should I bring peanuts? <laughs> All right. There's never a breakdown in the body of Christ. That's like saying there's a breakdown between the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Really? That's impossible. Now that we've gotten past that. Listen, where there is perfect righteousness, there is perfect relationships. Okay, when I say righteousness, I want you to understand this. It means right standing before God. When you are right standing before God, all your relationships are what? Perfect. The problem is in human relationships is sin. Now, I want to be as specific about this as I can because you and I, right now, we have two lines of relationship that exist in our beings. Okay? I have the relationship with the saints. I also have relationships with the ain'ts. Okay? The saints and the ain'ts. All right? The relationship with the saints should be perfect. But what I've learned is that there are people in those relationships who are spiritually more mature than me and spiritually more immature than me. All right. It is my responsibility as a brother in Christ to understand the people that I'm dealing with. Are they spiritually more mature than me or are they spiritually more immature than me? All right. Now, when it comes to the ain'ts, they're clueless. And so I shouldn't be trying to make them get a clue. Okay? All I need them to do is know that they are a sinner under the wrath of God. And that's easy to do. Why? I just ask them a simple question. How much peace do you have? That's simple. How much peace do you have? Well, I'm always in it. I rest my case. Call me when you want to know the peace of God that surpasses all understanding and will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Now, I know we want to make it more complicated than that, but it's not. Look at our society. Everyone's trying to get to Peace of some type. But only those who know Jesus Christ have peace. And you know what's amazing about them crazy people is it doesn't really matter what's going on. They're still at peace. It's like almost they're asleep or something. Sin was eliminated in a believer's life. Sin is in full effect in an unbeliever's life. Sin was eliminated in the believer's life positionally. Our standing before God, sin is eliminated. Okay, listen, I don't care if you're in sin right now, it's still eliminated. I don't care if you get up in the morning and you get into rush hour traffic and you want to give everybody half a peace sign. 
it's still eliminated. Okay? You're covered in Christ's righteousness. Okay? And he got, well, I'm uncovering it, and I'm covering it back up, and I'm covering it. No, that ain't the way it works. You are clothed in Christ's righteousness, Colossians says. Therefore, we are united. Therefore, when we come together, we are united. The only barrier that there is to relationships has been removed positionally. Now, let me tell you something. That's salvation. That is salvation. We are united in the person of Christ. We are in Christ. We are not waiting to get in Christ. I'm not waiting to get into a church. You are already there. When someone receives Christ Jesus by faith, all the cleansing value of his blood, his death, washes completely away that individual's sin. Past, present, future. When he said it is finished, he meant it. That person enters into the family of God. Ever seen people come to church for the first time? <laughs> they seem uncomfortable. You go up and talk to them and you're like, they're like this. Oh, oh, who is this? Why are they talking to me? Well, if you're a believer, you would be saying, hey, what's up? Where have you been? I went to a church. I went, well, I went to a conference in this church. And there were 8,000 pastors at it. Okay? And they usually, oh. <laughs> and, you know, I used to think that you became a pastor because you can't sing. But if you put 8,000 pastors together singing the great hymns of the faith, they're not bad. They're not bad. Okay? And yet, you go to this place, 8,000 pastors, and you would swear that these were long-lost relatives who have been missing you and since the last time they saw you. Why? Because they're in the family. They're in the body. They're from all over the world. They're all over the world. And yet, there's a oneness. I went to a Sunday Morning worship at that same church, and it gets up to about eleven, fifteen thousand. Then, and you got people knocking themselves over to to meet you and to shake your hand and ask you where you're from and good to see you and were you here for the conference? And it, they just want to why? You have to spend eternity with me. <laughs> you might as well talk to me now. Is that true? Well, I don't want to talk to you. Why? I don't know. You make me nervous. Why? You're a pastor. Well, what does that mean? I still have to put my pants on like people who put pants on. They've entered into the family of God, sinlessly seen before God. Their whole life has been cleansed. Everyone that is there, regardless of the numbers. They have the common life of God pulsing through their veins. So does everybody else who is there at the foot of that cross. I don't have more Holy Spirit than anybody in this room. 
I don't have more forgiveness than anybody in this room. We're you get to the foot of the cross. Let me got I got news for you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your economic background is. I don't care what your societal place is. I don't care what your gender is. I don't care what your race is. I don't care what your education is. At that cross, we're all equal. We are all one with each other before God. That's the point. Do you see the miracle in that? Do you understand that? I look at the news and I'm like, does anybody like anybody? We had that memo thing got went out. Everybody was, here we go, here we go. Well, I got stupid enough. I'm going to read the thing. Four pages. How long can it take me? So I read it. All right. I'm not a lawyer. I don't. I didn't sleep at Holiday Inn or anything like that. I just read it and said, well, that seems really straightforward to me. No big deal. Then I made the fatal mistake of turning on the TV and hearing what the experts said it mean. And I was sitting there going, well, what are they reading that I didn't read? That's disunity. I don't know how somebody can read the same text and come up with two different completely opposite dissertations from it. But then I think about human nature and sin. And I was like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. I'm surprised we've only got two. That's the point. We who are Christians are one, period. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your education. None of that matters. I don't even care if you were born in the south or the north or the east or the west. Doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Whoever you are in the blood of Jesus Christ, you are one. See, do you understand that's the significance of marriage? But do you understand that without Jesus Christ in the marriage, that can't happen? The unity is not because, well, we're getting married. We'll be unified. No, you won't. I've been around a long time. If Christ ain't there, ain't no unity. You can't take two blind, naked, depraved people and say, now get along. Ain't going to happen. See, sin makes those barriers. So that picture that he gives us in Genesis of a man leaving his family and cleaving to his woman. We all sit there and go, oh, isn't that great? Until you do it. And people don't, you know, my kids ask me, Dad, what should I look for in a woman? Look at the mother. What? Look at the mother. That's what you're getting. And then now everybody's head goes down a hole. Listen, I'm just telling you, the spiritual condition of that mother will be the spiritual condition of that daughter. The spiritual condition of that father will be the spiritual condition of that son. Because everybody thinks, well, you mean they're going to grow up and look like that? Probably. I didn't want to say that. I'm looking at it from the spiritual side. See, that's the oneness that we have in Jesus Christ. Christ on the cross removes sin. 
removing of our sin makes us one. Now then, that is the reality of the body of Christ. Now, I've been in this church for 30, 35 or 6 years, and I have seen disunity. I've seen it on small scale. I've seen it on large scales. And I always know why. Sin. Sin. Paul warned Timothy, anyone who is causing disunity, what are you to do? Don't associate with them. Well, that seems harsh. That seems real. That is our position is that we are one in Christ. Sadly. We don't always live that out, do we? We don't always act like it. We don't always live up to our position. And there's multiple reasons. Some reasons are we don't know what our position is. Listen, let's be realistic. Instead of seeking God's face in the scriptures, let's just bellyache about everybody that's bothering you. Boy, it's easier. And it's amazing to me how everybody knows how everybody else ought to be. And that's that's scary. That's scary. We don't always live up to it. That's what we are given here in verses, well, in 4 through 6. God rich in His mercy because of His great love in which He loved us, even though we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Raised us up with Him and seated us, past tense, with Him in the heavenly places. Verses 1 to 3 is our positions. And you were dead in your trespasses and sin in which you formerly, past tense, walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. We've been through this. We know what this is. That's where we all were at one time. Listen, you may not have been a serial murderer. You may not have been a bank robber or anything like that. But you were still dead in your sin and trespasses. You may have had a moral thing there that, you know, I'll obey the law to a point. The Jew and the Gentile were separate. They were separated in their sins. Their sin, both of them, the sins of the Gentiles, the sins of the Jews, was the cause of the problem. Remove the problem, and guess what? Instant communion. See, that's the point. At the cross, sin is obliterated. There is no barrier left. Everyone is one in Christ. I remember telling you guys a couple of years ago that I saw a bumper sticker I wanted to get and Paige wouldn't let me. She must have read this before I did, I guess. I don't know. 
It says, yes, God loves you, but I'm his favorite. And I wanted to get that, and uh, I was talked out of it as I go through Ephesians. There are no favorites. Even though I'd like to be, there are no favorites. Two men, two people in Christ are always one with each other. Always. I have traveled internationally and I have hung out with people that I had no idea what they were saying. I had been with people that I had a little idea what they were saying. I had other people that I was glad I didn't know what they were saying. And yet, so many times I was one with them and they knew it. The blood of Christ removed the problem. Those far off who had no idea of the scriptures or the covenant promises. I remember running into a guy named Igor right after the collapse of socialism. And I asked him, I said, you've got all of this new freedom. What is the greatest freedom that you are so thankful for now? Smiled at me, big Slavic guy. Got a tears in his eyes. That we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies. Ephesians chapter 1? Really? He says, under the communists, all I had was the gospel of Luke. That's all I preached for 25 years. He had no idea that there was a little more in the New Testament. Just a little. That's far off. Those near. Listen, the far off and the near are what? They all come to the foot of the cross. Every person ever redeemed from Adam to Revelations is redeemed because they bow at the foot of the cross. The blood of Christ Jesus, the death of Christ Jesus, the Old Testament believers come to the cross. The New Testament believers come to the cross. Everyone must come and bow before the cross or the cross will crush them. But they're all going to come to the foot of the cross. The cross is covering all before Christ who believed their sins were removed even to those who came after the cross. His blood covers it all. His death goes both ways in history through the future or the past. Those who had faith in God come to the cross under the old covenant. Under the new covenant, they, we must start first where? The foot of the cross. We all come under the cross. Listen, here in a few, we are going to partake of the Lord's table. Do you know why? Because you bowed at the foot of the cross. That's why he says, listen, if you're not there, don't do it. 
Because when you take of the Lord's table, you're saying, I submit myself to the authority of he who hung on this beam. It should refocus us that we are one in him. That is the Lord's table. He who has removed the barriers. All of them. He says here in the text, in the verse 14, the barrier of the dividing wall. When I see walls or barriers or divisions, I always know that it's all the same thing. Sin. Sin. Go a little farther. He kind of gives you an overview there in verse 13. Then he gets a little more... Maybe more of an analogy in verse 14. For he himself is our peace who made both groups. Okay, he's be on one side of the barrier on the other side into one. And he broke down the barrier. Okay, so not only did he join the Jew and the Gentile, he removed anything that would separate them again. how Christ brought us together. How did he bring us together? It was by his blood. His first word is actually a middle wall. But he is our peace. Okay. In the text, the original text, which is in the Greek, the placing of the pronoun is different than what you have in your English translation. Because the placing of the pronoun makes it emphatic. The text Here reads, okay, this is New American Standard, for he himself. Okay, now that's a decent translation. It literally can be said, he himself, can literally be translated, he alone is our peace. He only is our peace. He himself is our peace. You know what that means? There's no plan B. He alone. Paul is telling us that Jew and Gentile have been trying to get together for centuries. And they have. But you know what? Nothing ever worked. Tell me this. You have a religious system that God had instilled into the nation of Israel. You've been reading about it through the Old Testament. Leviticus, Numbers. You're going to get more when we start building the tabernacle and all this other stuff. You'll start getting all of this stuff and you go, oh, oh, oh. now then I can bring my Gentile paganism in and mix it with all of that and it'll all be better. Not ain't. <laughs> Not ain't. Titus Vespasian, uh, a Greek general, went into the temple Because he is really mad at the Jews. I mean, really mad at the Jews. He slaughtered all the priests. Because Titus Vespasian, a pagan general, knew that that was the lineage. And if I got rid of that lineage, these people no longer have a priest to go between them and their God. And our gods, multiple gods of the Greeks, has just whooped you. And so to do so, he took the offspring of the priest, he took him into the Holy of Holies and he slaughtered pigs 
and poured the pig's blood on the altar and on the Holy of Holies. And he stuffed pork into the kids of the priests. That will lend to bonding. Out of that was birthed the thing that you know. Have you ever heard of the menorah? That's where that came from. They were trying to keep the fires alive, and for some reason their oil didn't run out. Huh. Maccabees fought against them. Guess what? They were slaughtered. He alone is our peace. The law of ordinances and ceremonies and works and sacrifices and human merit and great effort. None of that could accomplish that. I watch churches blow up over what? Because perhaps they're not smart enough to understand these things. Perhaps they have not read. Or perhaps they're basing their theology on an experience. Instead of what has God said. Let us reason together from the scriptures. Well, you don't believe what I'm saying. I believe what God said. It's just a lot simpler. And if you don't believe what God said, then take it up with him. I don't have a problem with that. And it goes on and on and on. Go look at it. Well, you don't ever have an altar call. Exactly where in the scripture does it say I should have an altar call? Exactly in the scripture where it says, say this prayer and you'll be saved. See the things that we will fight over? Now listen, there's things I'm going to stand against. There ain't nowhere in here it says, say this prayer, you'll be saved. It ain't in there. Okay? Ain't nowhere in here it says, I have to have an altar call. I, they said, well, how do you challenge your people? If they're listening to me, they'll be challenged. If they're asleep, I doubt it. That still ain't my call. He alone is our peace. He alone brings the unity. He alone, no man could accomplish except the Lord Jesus Christ brought the peace. He alone brings the people together. Listen, Christ was a babe who brought peace. I was reading a story, a guy named Sergeant Slaughter used to live not far from where Paige grew up in Roanoke, Virginia. He was a survivor uh, of World War II. He was there, Normandy to Berlin, okay, in the army. And he talked about when they first moved into Germany, okay. Now the people are fighting for their land, okay. And it's amazing, they kind of get a, a different, you know, motive or something. I don't know, okay. And he talked about two platoons of these soldiers moving into this farming area. Wide open fields, farm buildings and barns and all the rest of it. And a a large number of Germans had moved around behind this farmhouse. And they had watched it because the family that was in the farmhouse ran out and went into the barn. And then it was Katie bar the door. It was full tilt boogie. Everybody's shooting. And I mean, the author of this book that I read, Slaughter, said, you literally could have walked across that field on top of bullets. It was that thick. It was complete and utter devastation. Both sides, let her fly. And he said, 
He happened to glance over at the barn and evidently the parents hadn't done it, but about a four-year-old come strolling out of that barn door and headed right across that field. And he says they called immediately, cease fire, cease fire, cease fire. And immediately the Germans did the same thing and it stopped just like that. That little child brought a momentary peace. Jesus Christ brought an eternal peace. Christ is eternal. We are one in him. When a Jew believes on the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't lose his national identity. He doesn't stop being a Jew. Okay? One of the things that I, I, I can't get people to seem to grasp is this ain't about history. Your nationality. I mean, I'm Scottish and Blackfoot Indian. All right, and a few other odds and ends, I'm sure. But I don't care about it. I don't care about it. It's not about my history. It's not about our national identity. You know, you ever notice why there's so many Lutheran churches in Castle Rock? We got a bunch of them. We got a new one coming out sometime this year. Okay. I have a Lutheran retired. I don't know what he is. I think he was a pastor. He comes and visits me on a semi-regular basis and just... God testing my sanctification, I think. And I said, John, how's come there so many Lutheran churches? He said, this state was settled by Germans. What were they supposed to be? Well, I never thought of that. So what church should I go to? If I'm Scottish and Cherokee. Shoot, I'm without a church. The Jewish national uniqueness, they are still set apart people. Let's be realistic. But Jesus' death on that cross removed their ceremony and sacrifices and rituals. You know what we call that? Judaism. Judaism ended at that cross. I don't care what they're practicing, but I can tell you this, that is not how you get to God now. As a people, they have not ended. If you don't believe me, read Revelations. You'll see God's plan for Israel. But a Jew loses his religious uniqueness. From now on, a Jew who believes in Christ Jesus, guess what? He or she is in Christ. They are a member of the ecclesias. That's a Greek term for called out ones. We translate it church. There is no Jew. There is no Gentile. And it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't mean, well, you know, I'm, I'm Jewish. Well, good. I was at, as changing doctors, it's just a long story. You 
insurance and all that other stuff. And the lady says, uh, what's your re- religious preference? And it stunned me. I was like, <laughs> sort of like, well, I like chocolate with the side order of the nut things on top. <laughs> That's what, what am I ordering up? Dessert? And she said, well, we have 85 choices. Wow. <laughs> if I, if Paige hadn't been standing there with me, I would have come up with something really off the wall. But she was standing there like, you know you're a pastor. And I'm like, yeah, well, I got a big one I can throw out here. Watch this. See if you got this one down. I didn't. I told him I was Christian. So, um, but I thought, well, you sit around and ask, this is a doctor's appointment. I'm not asking you to baptize me. There's no distinctions of any kind. They are all gone in Christ. Now then, do you understand that that should be reflected? Do you understand that that should be radiated to all? By all that is in this room? Do you know that? And to all that is in this room, it should be an acceptance and love. And all of the barriers should be gone. You know why? So that the world knows what our Christ really does. I uh, was dealing with some texts when I was out of the country. You don't get these questions when you're out of the in the United States, I don't know why. But the question came up. And in Azerbaijan now, they, I have such a uh, relationship with them people that instead of just being pastors and church leaders, everybody who's off comes. Because here's the goofy American again. So they all come. And so I have times of question and answers between sessions. And so inevitably, a young lady raises her hand. And she says, why do not we greet with a holy kiss anymore? <laughs> and I, you, you sit there for a second and you go, all right. I said, because too many of us have made it unholy. <laughs> and she says, why is that? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know, sin probably. Okay. Why don't we greet each other with a holy kiss? All right. Why don't we greet each other with a holy kiss? I don't know. I got into trouble for hugging people. Then it dawned on me, if I hug old fat people, they don't mind. But if I hold somebody who's young and attractive, what are you doing hugging her? Because it's her daughter. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Break. All right. So you, you, you got to weigh it out. You know, then what do you do hugging a man? See, these are things that when I look at it, you know what that is? It's people putting up barriers. Listen, I hate to break the news to you guys. I'm going to end with this. <laughs> you guys are stuck with me for eternity. You understand that? So you better get used to it. If it bothers you now, what do you think the first 2,000 years is going to be like?
That's the thing. I want you guys to ask yourselves. Now, I don't want you to look at your spouse, your children. I don't want you to do that. I want you to evaluate yourselves. Do you put up barriers? It's that simple. Why? They're not supposed to be any. At all. That's what I want you to think about. Especially in here in a moment, we're going to partake of the Lord's table. Let's pray. Father, help us to overcome our barriers. Help us to overcome the sin that breaks our relationships. Father, as we have fallen in love with you, how can we not fall in love with one another? Father, as we long to embrace you, how can we not long to embrace one another? Father, as we long to be with you, how can we not long to be with one another? Help us, Father. Begin with me. Begin with me. I'd be a loving brother to all, all the time. Help each of us to walk worthy of this great calling. To you, my King, my Lord, in Christ's name, amen. Thank you.